0: Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Inside the Mind of Sport of 2021. First of all, I want to wish everyone a happy new year and I hope this one will be a bit more active in the world of sport than the last one. In this episode, I'll talk about why the IOC needs to make a decision about the 2021 Tokyo Olympics soon and why Raymond Dominic, a French soccer manager, is not the right choice for first, French first division team Nantes. Now, without further ado, let's get inside the mind of sport. Our first story regards the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. This week was full of news regarding these upcoming uh, Olympic Games. Canadian IOC member Richard Pound said that he can't be certain that the Olympics would go ahead in July with the recent surge of COVID cases, especially in Japan and Tokyo. The city saw a 50% increase in cases over the last few days and has now entered a state of emergency, although that state of emergency only includes voluntary uh, restrictions. At the same time that that news was breaking, two surveys revealed that over 80% of people in Japan did not want the Olympics to go ahead as it is scheduled right now. And more and more Japanese voices are coming up uh, speaking out against the organization of the Olympics um, in general. Many national and international uh, Olympic committee members have said that the solution to all of these problems is to make sure that all athletes, coaches and supporting staff attending the Olympics are vaccinated against the coronavirus. It was actually the Canadian member Richard Pound who said that earlier uh, in the week. And although it seems like this is a consistent plan to make sure that the games can go ahead in a safe and responsible way, this plan has also raised some major concerns. As I said, in Canada, it was the same uh, Richard Pound that suggested the vaccination plan. However, after he announced that, several Canadian athletes have already stated that they don't want to jump the line and get vaccinated uh, if that means that vulnerable people will have to wait longer. On top of that, some members of the Dutch National Olympic Committee, NOC NSF, have already raised concerns about the vaccine plan. They say that it could lead to some unfair preparation situations in which some athletes in some countries get their vaccines before others. Um, they argue that this could lead to situations in which uh, athletes could be training with uh, more teammates or it could be training more or it could be traveling to different competitions in order to prepare for the Olympics while other athletes will not have this same luxury and will have to be really strict with um, lockdown and stuff like that. I would like to add to that is that uh, whether you're able to freely move and freely train and not have to worry about um, uh, whether you know you're contracting the virus and, and whether that's going to make a difference to your uh, to your physical preparation is a ginormous factor in the mental preparation. Taking away that stress, that um, uh, concern can really make it so the athletes can focus on preparing for the Olympics. So there are some things that need to be thought of with this vaccination plan. To summarize, the last week of news surrounding the Olympics are basically no one knows what's going to happen. No one knows the situation or what the situation is going to be like in Japan in July or in the whole world in July. We don't know whether vaccines can be, uh, administered in time or whether they can be administered in a way that is a fair, uh, that would lead to fair competition. And this is a real problem for athletes because they need to know what is going to happen in order to properly prepare physically but more importantly, how to properly prepare mentally. Now, to understand how this really works, we can have a look at what happened when the Olympics Olympics were postponed last year. When that happened, the sport psychology world sprinted into action to research the psychological effects and reactions to this postponement uh, of the athletes that were involved in it. Sport psychology practitioners, like myself, helped their clients deal with this situation through identifying gaps that could be filled in the extra time and guiding athletes through the difficult emotional uh, and, and, and reactions that they would have to the change. In essence, this research, this body of research that sprouted when the Olympics were postponed, concluded that, that athletes responded in one of either three ways. Rejection, acceptance, or fighting. The rejection response entails that athletes decided not to adjust or prepare for the next year or for the postponement of the Olympics. These were mostly athletes that were at the End of their career, and they decided to not try and qualify or prepare or go to the Olympics. Now, not an Olympic example, but for instance, Julia Gorgas, the German uh, tennis player I talked about in the last episode, perfectly fits into this category if you haven't listened to the full story about her go check out the previous episode but she decided that uh, once she was in lockdown and she realized what life after uh, her career could be like she decided to uh, retire and take uh, you know more free time spend time with her family and not come back so she was already a player that was at the end of her career and basically she just used the change that the, um, the, the Corona pandemic uh, brought to her as a moment to say, you know what, I'm done. So this group of athletes that are in this rejection response are already retired or have already decided not to spend their time and effort preparing for the next postponement. Now the next reaction was acceptance. And acceptance means that an athlete decides to cut their season short. So the moment it was postponed, say, okay, uh, i would take a break, sit tight, wait, and simply start preparing for the Olympics next season. Now, maybe they have already started preparing for the Olympics already. I would assume so. But they took time off to relax, be with family, uh, take a break, uh, and and say, you know what, when the next season is around the corner, I will start preparing again. So basically, these athletes just decided to only come back when it's time and when they're ready to prepare for the Olympics coming up in July. Uh, an example of this is actually another tennis player, uh, but this time it is Dutch uh, uh, female player Kiki Bertens, and she perfectly fits into this category. Since the pandemic has started, and since she had uh, doubts about the safety of travel and competing in these uh, tournaments, she has not taken part in tournaments and actually has just decided to not start competing until it's over. She recently announced that she will not be traveling to Australia for the upcoming Australian Open, uh, and she has just not been playing any tournaments. So the athletes in the acceptance reactions... Uh, basically just put their career on hold and you know postponed everything by a year and said okay i will go and do these things you know when when it's time to do that again the last reaction was the fighting reaction these are athletes that decided to immediately change their approach and start preparing for the postponed olympics not taking a break for instance, these are athletes who I talked about earlier, where they would use sport psychology practitioners to identify the gaps in their game and actively start working on closing the weaknesses they have or increasing the strengths they have. They took the time and saw this as an opportunity to do things that they maybe aren't able to do uh, normally, and uh, and use that time to prepare. From what the research is saying, and also from what you can see um, uh, kind of online of what people, what athletes are putting out on social media, I think it's fair to say that most athletes fit into this category. We've seen a lot of home workouts, all that kind of stuff. They continued their training, although in a altered and different way to try and keep preparing for uh, an Olympic Games that was one year later problem with the current situation lies within that group of athletes that are in the fighting response. You see, the fighting response is quite risky, not in a way that it could lead to lower performance, but more that they are at a higher risk of experiencing negative emotional responses when more uh, obstacles are thrown at them. These athletes have been pouring all their effort and energy into the preparation and therefore are highly invested in the upcoming Olympics. Basically, they have, rather than prepared for it for four years, they've prepared for it for five years, which makes it um, that they are at risk of really feeling negative psychological effects if uh, the Olympics are further postponed or canceled. Think about it. You were preparing for the 2020 Olympics, those got postponed, you sat down with your coach, your mental performance trainer, with everyone involved and said, okay, what are we going to do? You went through a process of identifying gaps, problems, obstacles, and you made a plan and you went back to work. You worked around all the lockdown uh, restrictions that you had, having to... um, you know, do workouts alone, maybe at home, maybe you have to wear uh, masks, all the things that you have to do, you changed all of that. You've been training so hard. And with only six months to go, there's a possibility of another postponement. If that happens, that can really have some psychological effects. And you can really imagine that you could have done all of that for nothing, and have to wait either another year or in case of Uh, the the upcoming Olympics being cancelled, the Olympics might not happen at all until 2024. To me, the longer the International Olympic Committee waits with their decision to either postpone, cancel, or go ahead with the Olympics, the more at risk they put the athletes in this fighting category. The athletes in the acceptance category can just sit tight and wait. The athletes in the rejection category, it doesn't matter, they have already decided not to go. But the athletes in the fighting category are at risk. These are the athletes that are sacrificing a lot right now to prepare and can really be psychologically hurt if they get another obstacle. I have no idea whether it's safe or not to go ahead with the Olympics. Nor do I know if the vaccine plan is viable, responsible, but maybe most importantly, whether it's fair for everyone involved. But whatever the IOC decides to do, they have to decide it soon. Because every day they wait, they are possibly causing more and more psychological damage to the athletes in the fighting reaction if they end up deciding to cancel or postpone the Olympics. Our second story today revolves around Raymond Dominic, a French soccer manager who was appointed at the head coach at bottom of the league, Nantes, in the French First Division this week. There are two striking things about this appointment. First of all, he hasn't coached a club team since 1993, which is now 27 years ago, and hasn't coached Any major team since 2010. And second of all, his career is littered with controversial moments, especially regarding his beliefs, his coaching style, and his communication with the players and the media. Now, if you don't really know who uh, Raymond Dominic is, he is the manager that was at the center of the infamous. French World Cup affair with Nicolas Anelka at the 2010 South African World Cup. A situation that is well known for how not to deal with people. Basically, Anelka and Dominic got into a fight and it all exploded to the point where the entire French national team said, we are not going to play if he is still here. Imagine that. This is a tournament that is only played once every four years. It is the Olympics of soccer. And a whole team would decide not to play if their coach was still there. He is also the coach that proposed to his girlfriend on live TV after a crushing 4-1 defeat to the Netherlands at the 2008 European Championship. And there are many, many more examples of this kind of weird behavior. But possibly his most astounding interview was the one in which he admitted to use astrology to help him make decisions about who to play or who to keep on the bench. He said, when I have got a Leo in defense, I've always got my gun ready, as I know he's going to want to show off at one moment or another cost us he later nuanced this statement by saying that he used a whole bunch of different tools to help him find things out about people's characters and about all of this all of the things that Dominic is saying there's only that last part that really caught my eye using different tools to understand somebody's character this is a fairly common practice in both sports and business to use some kind of tool To try and classify people's characters into groups in order to make it easier to understand. This is often used to make sure that a group or a team has different personalities and to make sure that those personalities within the group don't clash, which would lead to less conflict within that group and the group overall performing better as a whole. I understand that probably most teams and companies don't use astrology for this purpose, but tests like the Myers-Briggs personality test are used commonly and are actually well tested and validated in science. There is no discussion that scientifically designed tests are reliable, but I actually think that Dominic points out a larger problem with putting people into specific groups and making decisions based on what group somebody is in. In order to understand this, we have to look at two statistical terms, within group variation and between group variation. To explain these two concepts let's use height and sex as an example. Between group variation describes the difference between the height of a man in Canada that is 5'9 and the average height of a woman, which in Canada is 5'4. So we can say that the between group variation or the difference in height between men and women is five inches. However, that doesn't tell the whole story. Within group variation describes all the possible heights that exist within one group. For instance, I'm six foot six, which is taller than the average. Why while I also know men that are five foot five, which is shorter than the average, we all know that not all men are exactly five foot nine, and that's what within group variation describes. If you look at the other side, I know women who are over six foot tall. So, what we can say is that on average, men are taller than women, but that on an individual level, not every man is taller than every woman. Now, let's get back to our personality tests. There's no denying that if you use a valid test of which there are many, on average, people within one group or with one character trait or one characteristic will behave in a certain way. However, that says nothing about one individual in that group, only about the entire group. That one individual can either behave in line with the average or maybe slightly different than the average or maybe completely different than the average. You simply do not know what is going to happen with that one individual. The group results cannot say anything about individual results. Now you might ask yourself, okay, what does all of this have to do with Dominic? I just listened to some statistical explanation. There's no denying that Dominic is a strange person who says and does very strange things. But Think about it. That is not very uncommon in the world of sports, especially in professional football. There are many examples of really weird people who do weird things in football. Somebody that comes to mind is Mario Balotelli, the Italian striker that has a list of crazy things that he did that is longer than you could name. One that has always stuck with me is when he put fireworks in his teammate's house and set it off, setting the whole house on fire i don't think that the strangeness of dominic describes why he seems to attract so many conflicts everywhere he goes to me what seems way more likely is that somebody who bases so many of his decisions on placing people into groups and then expecting them to behave exactly like the average of that group is going to be very surprised when the individuals suddenly don't behave like he expected them to. Rather than looking at listening at the individual players. He believes he already knows what they're going to do. Leaving the athletes feeling unheard and misunderstood. I really don't expect that Dominic is going to be the saving grace for Nantes. For more reasons than just his coaching style. But with the appointment of a coach that doesn't use personality tools properly. The team seems doomed to to relegate thank you all for listening to this episode of inside the mind of sport if you did enjoy it please leave a like comment share it with your friends or leave a review i hope to see all of you again in the next episode of inside the mind of sport